Welcome to the Faith Debate on 930 WFMD. Thanks so much for tuning in and making us part of your Sunday morning. You can find us online at WFMD.com. And if you want to follow along to the sorts of things that we talk about and do outside of this show, the easiest way to do that is to connect through you know, social media or if you want to email me or even text me or whatever. Find all that information at householdoffaithinchrist.com. I'm Troy Skinner, uh, and if you've been listening the last number of weeks and you know who's with me, we've got Imran Razvi. His friends call him Raz, so most people here call him Imran. And, uh, and uh, Daniel Razvi is here as well. And um, David Forsey, all four of us are pastors of house churches uh, in the area. Uh, we've got the, the house church that meets at the, the Razvi's house or at Rimron's house or whatever you guys call that. And then um, David's is the church at David's house. And uh, mine actually has a name, Household of Faith in Christ, which is why I sent you to the householdoffaithinchrist.com website. Since we are a newly assembled group of uh, pastors talking about this sort of, uh, you know, theological things in the Bible, whatever, we spent some time getting to know each other uh, in recent episodes and started talking about what it is to have a house church and what people can expect and that sort of thing. But I thought it'd be good for people, one, for us to get to know each other better and also for the audience to get to know where we're coming from on some things and just back up the history needle a little bit, go back in time, not back to like, you know, the third century or something like that, but go back a handful of years to deal with the kinds of things that are still impacting our life today and people are still talking about and wondering about. And it'll help them know where we're coming from. And if they're right-minded, good Americans will agree with us. And if they're, you know, commies, then they're going to disagree, but that's okay. So, so I just showed my hand on that. So I've got a, a list, as you can see, a long list. If you're on Facebook, we have, we're live streaming this on Facebook. So there you go, a long George's list. It's got like 18 pages of fine print. 18, yes. It's, I know. I've got to get out my magnifying glass to read this. Um, but we're going to start going back, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago when there, there began to be the rise of a spirit of populism uh, in the Western uh, world. We saw this, uh, I, I, the first time I took notice of it was with Bernie Sanders on the Democrat side. And uh, then we saw it uh, playing out with what was going on in Europe, particularly with uh, England, the U.K., wanting to break away from the European Union, a populist uprising there that caused the whole Brexit thing. And uh, then the whole Trump phenomenon. Uh, I think that it's interesting, different ideological viewpoints there, different political commitments. And yet they have in common uh, a populist uprising. I don't know if you guys noticed that same thing. If so, if you or if you Before disagree. Before we go any further... Uh, can someone define populism for me? Um, you, are, are you all asking me to do that? Absolutely. We talked about that before. <laughs> uh, define the terms we're going to be using. Well, I'm meaning by that it's basically, it's an uprising of the will of the people. So okay. it, it's 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 the people trying to take back control from the institutions that have dominated their life, that sort of thing. Um, um, so anarchy. No. Mm, Pure democracy. Not necess- so I guess we do have to try to define our terms here. Because, <laughs> Absolutely. Because I, I, I would the say- definition that you just, you just posited that kind of describes all of the communist uh, re- revolutions, such as the Bolsheviks and everything else. Um, it would also describe also the American be- Revolution. Right. So basically people that are not happy with the status quo. So that's not really a new thing then. I, I'm wondering if populism is a really broad term or how – 
How narrow the fact, should we make the, it? The, the fact that it got traction. I mean, Bernie Sanders, there are those who still think he, uh, he beat Hillary the first time and that he had it stolen from him by a bunch of shenanigans behind the scenes from the DNC who didn't want Bernie Sanders. They wanted Hillary uh, back in, uh, I guess, 2016. So he has a lot of – he's faded now because he's getting older and people realize he's not the future of, of the movement kind of thing. But, I mean, Bernie almost won the nomination. So populism, so, like, uh, like Brexit did like, win, like from the grassroots. Does grassroots yeah, like, have something to do with yeah, populism? It's okay, a, yeah, it's a grassroots uprising. The people, um, uh, I don't. I think the way I said it was the people try to impose their will. Is how, well, I mean, that that's really what uh, America is about: is the people voting in and and limiting. But things change, and I, I would go back as far as really. Obama. Uh, I think Obama was really underqualified to be a president. He didn't even show up for most of the voting. And he voted president when he was there. Um, his records show, yet he became president with really no qualifications whatsoever, and he got reelected. And people voted for him just because he was black. And uh, even uh, at that time, Biden, what did he say about uh, Obama? Well, he's a good-looking, articulate uh, black man and so maybe he's something to that effect. I think you called him clean. Yeah, clean, right, exactly. <laughs> so I think that's when it really kind of started where people were not really voting on, you know, trying to maintain what this country was about, but to change it, to dramatically change what this country is. And I think it started there and it continues to this day. Maybe maybe it would help if we were if I were to clarify how, again the way my mind thinks about this yeah. is what it's the antithesis of. So, you, yeah. so Contrast is always they're reacting helpful. against a statist ideology. So it's a reaction against the power of the, the institution, the state, uh, the deep state. That's where the whole deep state thing kind of comes in. You know, we want to we drain the swamp, get rid of the deep state, and replace it so, with the will of the people. And again, as, as Imran said... You know, that's kind of what America was was based upon. It's, you know, Abraham Lincoln, a government of the people, by the people, for the people. That's a populist idea. Um, so it's interesting that you lump Bernie Sanders in that because he advocates for a communist agenda, which is that everything is run by the government, not by the people. Well, yes, to get there, right? That's, I mean, I disagree with their ideology, but that's the point of their argument is you have to travel through the dictatorship and the socialism and the overbearing government system so that on the back end of that you can have kumbaya and everybody's living communally and the people are doing what they want to do and you know they never they never seem to get there so 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 populism isn't necessarily a uh an ideology as much as it is a um i don't know a, a way of a way of the people moving towards what they desire. See, I, I always thought populism, or I've been hearing populism lumped, uh, linked with nationalism, the idea that it's mm. more about us as us, uh, our own country, our own, whether it's an ethnicity or whether it's a culture, or whether it's just a nation, but it's us versus them, as in them being people outside the country, not the whole world as one. And so when I hear the term populism, it, in recent years, most often it's in the same sentence as nationalism. That's the way it ha- tends to play out or be characterized anyway uh, from the conservative point of view. But as you rightfully mentioned, I mean, Karl Marx was a populist. Right. Right. The proletariat's going to throw off the bourgeoisie. 
you know. And so it was the, so the proletariat's the, the populace, and they have control kind of thing. Uh, but to clarify for those who don't pay attention to these things uh, in their everyday uh, musings, in an ideal situation, if there were no such thing as human sin, then the Marxist ideal could actually happen. The problem is there is such a thing as human sin. We all are bedeviled by it. And so we can't get there. And so he ends up feeling like, which your instinct was, David, like, is it anarchy? It can kind of feel like anarchy. And so to keep the anarchy from happening, the, 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 the Marxists are like, you know, we've got to keep the, the lid clamped down pretty tight on this until we get there. And so it, it always ends up, I think historically, it's always ended up being a, a, a dictatorial rule. And then they try to pass it off as, yeah, but it's okay because it's your dictator. He's going to be a benevolent dictator. He's on your side. He's the populist. So Bernie Sanders is a good example in America because we all know who Bernie is. So the idea, I think, for those who supported Bernie is Bernie's going to come in. He's going to, and he's going to have a lot of, of restrictions on how things are done. And he, the government's going to have a lot of control and tell us how because we need to because we have to break down the systems that we don't like that are. And so he's going to have a lot of control to do that. It's, isn't it fascinating how the uh, how how the most I don't know throughout history probably one of the most efficient sort of ways to grasp power is to take on the mantle of a messiah figure of sorts, you know, a a savior, you know, someone with the right ideas, right abilities, yeah. an antichrist perhaps. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's tight. Yeah. Right. right. A beast and a whore of Babylon thrown in for good measure. Oh, I, I, I just mean you know like that. Like there's a longing in 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 all of humanity for uh, for someone to come along because I can't do it. I can't accomplish it. I'm not in a position to do it. For someone to come along and and make things right, make things the way that they should be. You know, I think that's almost some part of our nature is be feeling oppressed. Even children that are very privileged in nice homes with lots of money, they still rebel against the authorities and their parents and want things that they shouldn't want and that somebody else has. They could have everything else, but if they don't have this one thing, then they want that. I mean, we've had people, uh, I've had friends say, gave a, a list to his, uh, got a list from their children. Saying if I had this and this and this and this, then everything would be good. And they laughed at it. I said, "No, you're not getting that." But that's kind of who we are as people. And when you look at a large group, um, at nations, I think it plays out the same way. And it's not just a large group of nations, because I think that's in my mind that's where the divide happens between the left and the right. And I mean political left and right, not necessarily theological left and right. Um, um, what was the word nationalism? That's the word. Uh, Daniel mentioned how, you know, he, he thinks populism, he thinks nationalism. Well, that's kind of how it plays out, at least in American politics. That's how it plays out from the right. It's about America defending our borders, defending our national sovereignty, that sort of thing. But from the left, the Bernie Sanders point of view, uh, it's about globalism. Right. And so it's it's one nation on the whole earth kind of a thing. And so there's where the political yeah. divide happens. And that's why the populists are fighting because he's like, they're all populists. Why aren't they getting along? But they're not. And, and the MAGA movement, the Make America Great uh, Again idea, is so offensive to a globalist. It's like, no, no, you're taking us backwards. We right. want to go forward to a one-world order, and you're trying to take us back to national boundaries and stuff, which has led to all these horrible okay. world wars. Is there something more biblical about nationalism or more biblical about globalism? 
I think that um, I'm going to fall back to what I said before and see what you guys think. I think in a perfect world, globalism is the answer. But we won't have a perfect world until Christ returns. And at that point, it will be global. And then it will be global. <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, I think there's, yeah. there are strong biblical arguments in support God, God of chose- national uh, sovereignty, national borders, people groups making their own rules for their, for their, own, their own selves. I mean, God chose the nation of Israel. He didn't choose the whole world at once. I mean, he, uh, Jesus came and, uh, and uh, died for the sins of the world, but originally God took Israel and made Israel a nation. And it was a nation. It wasn't, oh, you're running things all over the world. You're going to take over Canaan and you're going to be the nation there and I'll be the, the head of the, the nation. So it was in God's design there to show the contrast between people that are following God and people that are not, to, to set them apart, to show what, it's, you know, what, it, what it is to be a godly people and to, you know, what you said, Troy, that eventually that's going to be a global scale. Now, did you ask rhetorically or did you have an, uh, a thought that you, you wanted to answer your own question? Oh... Not usually. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think you could make a. Uh, I think you could. I think you could probably make an argument either way. Um, I think certainly, right? Christ returns, and and there is one King of all the nations, um, and at that point, there's even no longer. Uh, you know, a nuclear family, like, you know, we, we're no longer, um, you know, married or given in marriage, right, if you will, like we're, we're like the angels in, in that sort of sense. And so, um, so yeah, so I, I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think I'm with you on, you know, what is the, what would the perfect world be? Um, I, I would think, um, really, Biblically, we're supposed to be separate nations. Look at the Tower of Babel. We were one world, one nation, one tongue, and God separated, and he made them into different nations, different peoples, different tongues for that purpose. So biblically, if you want to follow that, we are supposed to have nations and separation and not be one world until God comes back. Yeah, I, would, I mean, my, my thought on Babel is that it's, uh, it, it sort of is a way of, of crippling mankind for his own good. Um, right, sort of this, uh, this, this, because, you know, I, as, as we look through, you know, when, when, when God brings the flood in order to sort of put a, put a restart on humanity, um, you know, I, I think Babel is humanity just going down that same road all over again and God saying, okay, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna prevent this from happening put again. Yeah. Until, and, and you know, until a later date of my choosing when, you know, when I will, you know, again, bring, bring back people from every, every tribe and tongue and people and nation and, you know, end of my doing, everyone comes together and. Right. So exactly. Yeah. That, that's why the argument is there that there should be separation and nations until God mm-hmm. comes back and brings it all together. So biblically, we are supposed to be separate nations. We're supposed to have that separation. And even throughout um, all the history in the Bible and the Old Testament, God is very clear delineation of where the boundaries are, 
where the different peoples are, where the different nations are. Even when Israel was inside of Egypt, they were separate. They kept separate in Goshen. They did not mix with the other Egyptians. So it's been separate the whole time. And there's a there's a passage in, I believe, Deuteronomy that talks about when God made the uh, the nations and he separated and he actually gave charge of physical locations on earth to each of the different um, spiritual entities, many of which are evil, and he kept out Israel for himself. Um, he said they, the sons of God he appointed for each of their um, portions, and he had Jacob for his portion. So all those other nations have a demon, basically, that's running that country, but they are all separate geographic locations. So I think geography is actually very important to God, uh, and in some way it, it plays a part in his overall uh, plan. So I don't know if this is oversimplifying it, but I wonder if, okay, on, on one hand, we've got this group of communist populists, right, the populists pursuing a communist ideal, and then you've got the nationalist uh, populists who are uh, pursuing some sort of a sovereignty ideal, uh, national sovereignty ideal, um, and they're they are to tug of war. They're pulling in opposite directions, right? They're 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 populist, but they're they're they're, they're hoping to go in different directions on the river. Right. Well, well, one is to break down the nation; the other is to build up the nation. And and if you're breaking down the nation, you're just basically building one giant nation. Right. Right. And if you're a globalist, but if you're a nationalist, you could be like, the, you know, name drop Hitler here. Hitler supposedly is a nationalist, but also is, is socialist. Right. And so he, but he wanted to take over the world and expand the borders of Germany, but it would all be one Germany. So. I think I think what both of those ideologies have, um, when you start talking about populism as okay, here this is the will of the people, the will of the people. Well, the people are not uh, homogenous; they don't all believe the same thing about everything. Everybody has their own views and opinions, colored by their uh, environment and and uh, what um, experiences they've had and what teaching they've had and, and so on, and their own personalities. So. Not everybody is going to agree on everything. So if the people want X, there will still be people who want Y and some other people who want Z. And that's the difference with any sort of uh, ideology or government or politics that wants – that says, look, we're going to do what the people wants – what the people want. Well, there's always going to be people left out. And I think that's where our founders in America had an interesting idea of we need to have not a – true, full, pure democracy, but a representative democracy such that the minority is also heard, even if we're not going to you know, do what the minority wants all the time, but the minority is heard and has a chance to have their rights not trampled on. And so we don't all have the same opinion. And I think that that's something the Founding Fathers recognized. Most other cultures and forms of government, other than the original founding of, of the uh, United States, most other f- forms of government are all about one person deciding what most people want or what he wants for everybody. Looks like you were going to say something, David. No? The, um, the, I want to make it, we're going to, we have a few minutes left on this episode. We spent more time on this particular topic because we need to clarify our terms than I anticipated. Uh, but I think it's all, it's all good. It lays a pretty good foundation for us. It's not that populism is necessarily good or bad, but I will say that populism is always dangerous. I don't know if you guys would agree with me because if you've got so from my point of view, the, the populist ideal of the communists is incredibly dangerous because you end up with this authoritarian 
usually it's an oligarchy. It's not usually a, a, a single individual. Right. In, in, in today's context, I don't think it would be. It would be some sort of an oligarchy. So you've got a very small group of people, and they're all going to be sinful because we're all sinners. And right. they're going to be power-hungry and money-hungry and sex-crazed and all these other things that people are bedeviled by when they get in positions of power like that. And they're going to make life miserable on so many people. So that's really dangerous, just ideologically, politically dangerous. But even on the nationalist side, which is where I would – Tend if I had to choose a side, I'd be choosing that side. But you, uh, David, early on, when you were trying to clarify the term, so is this democracy? Is this anarchy? Uh, well, pure democracy is nothing but mob rule. Right. And so if the populist rises up and says majority mm-hmm. rule because we the people say so, well, that majority are also a bunch of sinners too. So if you got five sinners or five million sinners, you got a bunch of sinners making decisions. Populism can be very dangerous. This is why the rule of law and the written word becomes so important, uh, you know, which we don't have those uh, things in place anymore. We're functioning kind of we're, – we're, we've got it, our tail hanging out it, the wind right now on that front these it, days. It's interesting. I, I feel like uh, like we're saying that in the, in the current world that we live in where that, – that's broken by sin, um, that it is good to have um, – a lot, a variety of things that 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 slow people down and limit, right? Limit power, whether it's of an individual or of a of a nation, of a group, or anything like that. So, yeah, I think we all probably agree on that point. So next week, I'm thinking we could talk. Uh, we could, we can shift into what the threat of the one meant to the other. So the. The progressives in this country had a whole bunch of momentum, and they thought for sure they were going to have the third term of, of the Obama administration with Hillary in, in office. And she loses to make America great again and all of what that ended up meaning and how that's still causing problems for us. You had a, a Yeah, I, one, one other thought is I don't think uh, populism in this situation really is the majority. I think it is what they're told to think, and that's what the progressives really felt, that, that they had told enough people to think this way and that they would show up. But there was enough of the majority of Americans that still were conservative and still had um, the thoughts back into a, a national, hey, we are America, we, that's who we are, that they came out and voted voted, and weren't as quiet. But usually it, what's happened, I think the term that you really would use for populism is whoever is allowed us in pushing their agenda. And that's what's been happening with the riots and, and the protests. It's it's not so much that that's the majority of the people. It's the ones that are, who are the loudest and doing the most uh, speaking or changing. Yeah. So with that said, let me – you've heard us uh, mention how everybody's a sinner. You heard us mention the name of Jesus Christ. Let me just say that uh, if, if you're not sure that you agree, I can assure you you're a sinner and you have a, you have a sin problem. And i got to ask you, what are you going to do with your guilt? You know, if, if you don't if you don't think you're a sinner, then you're like the only one in the world who's not one. You know, I mean, come on, be honest. Whatever your own standards are, you don't live up to those, right? You've got a sin problem. You've got a guilt problem. What you can do with your guilt? And Jesus Christ who tells us his kingdom is not of this world, and he will come again to rule and establish a perfect one-world order, one-world government, if you will. Uh, he, he's coming again, and you're going to, want to be ready for that. So if you'd like to know more about what all of that means, what the good news of the gospel is, how Jesus is the solution to your sin problem, uh, reach out to me. Uh, easiest way is just connect uh, through the website for my church, householdoffaithinchrist.com. And if you'd rather not talk to me, you'd rather talk to one of these other guys, I can put you in touch with them, and you can, you can talk to them. Uh, that way as well. So until next week, oh, I, I got to plug the radio station too, right? 
You're listening to The Faith Debate on 930 WFMD. Uh, the Razvies, Imran and Daniel, and uh, Mr. Forsey, David, and me, Troy Skinner. It's been our pleasure to talk with you this past half hour or so on News Radio 930 WFMD. Until next week, about 167 and a half hours from right now, God bless.